fresh out the oven, it's Cinema Bums. I'm Wade. Right, I'm Emmett. Cinema Bums is a podcast where we watch through every single movie and popular film franchises, one each week to try and track how the storytelling changes over time. Today, we are concluding our mini-series, Squeaky Clean Do-Gooders, covering all the films in the Dirty Rotten Scoundrel series. We will fully spoil today's film, but we will not spoil any future entries in the series because there are currently none. And we pray and hope that there, <laughs> that it will stay that way and that we never have to watch another one of these movies. Can you imagine if this is the first of our series to have a <laughs> new movie released? Dude, I would not be surprised. They're going to be like, we really need a movie to put Taylor Swift playing an old woman and Billie Eilish playing a young woman who learns from her how to be a good con woman. But then they both get tricked in the end by someone else. Well, who's the third? I don't know. That's why that joke doesn't work. <laughs> I had a really good setup there. I don't know what the I don't know who the guy is that matches that duo. Maybe Jason Derulo. Jason Derulo. Dude. Emma, how are, you... how are you doing? Oh, I was going to ask, how are you doing? Oh. I, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm I'm doing well as well. Good. P- particularly well, because we're honored to have a special guest here. There's a look on Emmett's face that says he forgot to send me an intro, which I asked him to write. So let me say, today we're talking about The Hustle. The tagline for this movie is, they're giving dirty rotten men a run for their money. Our special guest today has been giving her dirty rotten brother a run for his money for all her life. Please welcome Caroline Temple. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for being here. We had a middle school teacher that told me that being Emmett's sister would open doors for me. So it's really coming to fruition. (laughs) Would you say that this is the first door that's been opened? (laughs) The first of many, I hope. Wow, I hope so too. How are you doing? How's it going? I don't know you'd ask me that question. (laughs) I feel put on the spot. (laughs) I'm sorry. Did you not get the extensive list of questions I sent before this? I was ready to answer if it's a bop or a flop. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there for sure. Had you seen this movie before? No, this is my first time and last time. Had you seen Dirty Rotten Scoundrels? Yes, I have. I think it's a favorite of our dad's. Uh-huh. That's what Emmett said, too. Did you like it? Do you have fond memories? I do, yeah. I really like Michael Caine. Steve Martin, not so much, but he plays banjo now. Yeah. You know, it's really funny because I said that we watched this movie. He said that we were watching it to my dad, and he was like, man, I hate Steve Martin. And my mom was like, yeah, but you like him in that movie. And he was like, yeah, kind of. But he was like, but I think he's a bad actor. He looked at me and said, Emmett, would you say that Steve Martin is a good actor? And then I was put on the spot, and I was like, Actually, probably not. I do think he's probably pretty bad. Uh, sorry to Laura and her love for him. But I like cannot think of a single time. Like He makes me laugh sometimes. But it's mm. usually that cringe. Like he, is, he was doing cringe humor before it was even like a thing, you know? And like his whole shtick in like the Muppet movie is just like that you want to get away from him as much as possible. Yeah. And like that's kind of how I feel about him 
that's how every other character except for strangely Glenn Headley feels about him. And then you realize why at the end is because she's been scamming him the whole time. So I don't know. I like him. I don't know. He does sort of play the same character in one of these movies. But mm. I guess so does Michael Caine, you know. That's so. true. That's true. Well, certainly he plays every he plays the same character in every single Nolan film. Did your dad watch The Hustle with you? Sadly, no. Our sister did. Oh, okay. <laughs> and Mariah had some choice words for it as well. <laughs> I do want to. I do want to just like say a couple things that Mariah said about this movie. Oh uh, yeah, just like upfront before we forget uh-huh. forget them. These are a couple things I wrote down. She said at one point Anne Hathaway is crying, and Mariah says, "I didn't see a tear." <laughs> Oh my gosh. And then tear checking. She says, get in your pool and take a seat. <laughs> At one point, do I think Anne Hathaway again? Oh my um, gosh. There's some pretty sweet burns from her. Uh, I also have written down for Caroline Megan Trainer jokes. I was um, dictating my notes to Emmett last night, and I uh, felt good about that process until I realized that my notes are put down that I love air horns. And that was pretty much it. So. And then you also had likes a classic Pink Panther credits intro. Because it was, it was that was a cool credits intro that they had. Yeah, yeah, I that was that. the it seemed first like and last for, cool thing about it. Yeah, right? It seemed like something for a much better movie. Yeah, it had promising beginnings. Steve Martin's in Pink Panther, isn't he? He isn't in Pink Panther, and that's like... He a, isn't? No, he is. Yeah, he is. He is. Pink, he is the Pink Panther. He's great in Pink Panther. As a devout Princess Diaries fan, I liked that they referenced Julie Andrews to um, Anne Hathaway. Oh, that's good. That was like a... So, I feel like they couldn't afford a Julie Andrews cameo, but it was like a way to... So I think it's really interesting. You're bringing in this like kind of meta textual piece. Like this is a tapestry of the um, 2018 film era. You know, they're making references to stuff that anybody watching it in that time would know outside of the film. It doesn't have anything to do with the plot of the film, but you would know it if you're an educated viewer. What will it be? If you're like around in 2006. (laughs) Yeah, essentially. (laughs) What will it be in 50 years to watch this movie? And just not get that and be like, this is bad. Probably much the same as Bedtime Story. Yeah, pro- honestly, probably so. But you know what? They could have referenced Julie Andrews in Bedtime Story. And we would have still gotten it today, 50 years later. So- that's pretty crazy. So maybe that's smart. Just tie your tie yourself to a big enough star and you're set forever. Caroline, I guess that middle school teacher did have good advice after all. <laughs> <laughs> when I was doing some research uh-huh. on this film... Yeah, I found this quote from Anne Hathaway where she was like, they were, there was this whole fiasco where the movie almost got an R, which I guess we'll talk about later. Did it? Wait, is that is that a PG-13 movie? This PG-13? God, it's disgusting that children should be allowed to see such filth. <laughs> Anne Hathaway was like, yeah, it was important because Rebel Wilson has a big teenage fan base from Pitch Perfect and I have a big teenage fan base from The Princess Diaries. <laughs> and I was like... Those fans who were teenagers when the Princess Diaries came out probably have kids now. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Damn. They're not the same generation. And even the kids who loved Pitch Perfect are at least in their 20s now. Well, the cruel hand of time rolls on, does it not? Uh, yes. Yeah, so on that lovely note, today we are talking about the hustle. <laughs> this movie... <laughs> Emmett, actually, Emmett, would you like to do the the three sentence summary since I have to do the stats? Absolutely, 
Okay, so this is a little movie about two con artists. One played by Anne Hathaway, and she is playing a British woman. Uh, (laughs) I suppose. (laughs) I hesitate to, to land on where she's supposed to be from because her accent fluctuates. And Caroline was all on top of this. She was like, that's not the same accent. Like, every three lines, it would just, mm-hmm. you're like, I have no, I'm stuck. I have not a clue where she's supposed to be from. I have the dirt on that. Okay, good. I'm, I'm excited to know why this <laughs> happened. Because I, I do like Anne Hathaway. I do think she's a good actress. And I think she's mm-hmm. bad in this. We're not bad, but it's like a terrible movie despite her being in it. And she makes I don't some think she's wild good. choices. She makes them that you're like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, was there no was there no friend around the, like who read the script with you and was like, don't do this. <laughs> like straight up, you you do not need the money that bad. <laughs> you can go out. Anne Hathaway is a good enough actress to actually be a con artist and actually go out and make that amount of money without doing without going through the humiliating process of being in this film. So is that what you would say the movie is about? <laughs> this is a movie about an, an Anne Hathaway and a Rebel Wilson, just two crazy con artists with a crazy idea. And they said, we want to make a million dollars. And we're going to have this little Mark Zuckerberg type character who made an app and is just some little American tool. We're going to fleece him for all he's got. It's essentially the same plot as both the third act of Bedtime Story and the last two acts of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, except it starts about five minutes into this film. And so that's nice because you really just get down to business, even though it's incomprehensible. This film actually reminds me of Bedtime Story a lot. Mm. It was directed by a sitcom first-time director. It was clearly made for no money. It's painfully unfunny. Lots of similarities I see between this and Bedtime Story. So this movie, The Hustle, was directed by Chris Addison, who is a British stand-up comedian. He directed a lot of the show Veep. Oh, wow. Don't know if anyone's seen that. I've heard good things. I've seen episodes. This is his first and so far only film. The writing credits for this. So you've got Stanley Shapiro and Paul Henning, mm-hmm. who wrote Bedtime Story. Get credit. Then Dale Lautner, who wrote Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, gets a credit. And mm-hmm. then the person who actually wrote all of wrote this script, wrote all of the new stuff, is Jack Schaefer. She made this movie called Timer in 2010, which I sort of remember hearing about, but I have never seen. It's like a sci-fi rom-com in a world where everyone has like a timer that counts down until when they meet their soulmate. Mm-hmm. And you can like choose to look at it or not to look at it. Weird. How's that strike you, Caroline, as a, as a concept? Did you ever see that movie? No, I didn't. Well, what do you it, think it of it? It sounds sad. Yeah. It sounds really depressing. <laughs> yeah. She, she did that. She did this movie, which is almost nine years later, in terms of like actual produced credits. And then she just created and was the head writer on a little thing, you might have heard of it, called WandaVision. What? This film was written by the woman who created and wrote WandaVision. This was her project before WandaVision. They said, they looked at this movie and they said, yes, let's give her one of, <laughs> one of the most important things. And honestly, WandaVision is pretty good. She also has a, a story credit on Black Widow, yeah. which yeah. hasn't come out yet, but she might have actually done that first with how the release dates and everything uh, have gone. That makes sense, yeah. That was interesting to me. The score was by Anne Dudley, 
who is a, a composer and also a studio musician. She played on a lot of cool stuff in the 90s and the thousands. Whoa. And she won an Oscar for The Full Monty. Whoa. So I thought that was cool. Another thing that's cool, this movie is one hour and 34 minutes. <laughs> that was it. the coolest thing about it. <laughs> Five minutes shorter than Bedtime Story, the shortest in the series. Caroline... How did you feel about the pace that this movie goes at? As I was telling Emmett earlier, I felt kind of like in the movie Elf when Walter Hobbs signs off on those pages that have nothing happening in them. I feel like they missed like a major chunk of the story and just like <laughs> skipped over it. And I feel kind of like the angry grandpa who's going to answer for that because the pace was just <laughs> everywhere. And then they filled it in with a really terrible montage that didn't serve anything. No. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that was like for Rebel Wilson's teenage fans, but it was tragic. Rebel Wilson, do it for the teens. <laughs> yeah, they really never use any of those skills, and it's a wide range of skills they do in that montage. Never yeah. any of them seen again. We were talking about what those skills were used for, because you said it was all for like charming. Oh yeah, they're victims. Yeah. But I felt like it was a lot of self-defense. There was some self-defense. Throwing knives was for charming the victims? Uh, yeah, that's because, what I, I yeah, was like. Yeah, going on a date like, where you drink craft beer and throw knives. Exactly. I was like, this is like a fur to charm people. Like, it's also a form of self-defense, but essentially it's so that you can look really cool when you go on a date to throw an axe or throw a knife. Wait, what year did this come out? 2018? Yeah, it's like social commentary. That is commentary. so 2018. That is so, that 2018. is so 2018. It's so 2018 to, like, have something to say about that. And for your thing to say about that is, like, this is kind of dumb. <laughs> yes, this movie was released May 10th, 2019 by Universal Pictures. It was a Mother's Day movie. Oh, okay, oh, good. never mind. Oh, good. So it wasn't so 2018, but maybe it, their no, ideas that, came see, no, from that's 2018. Even more, that's, see, that makes it even sadder because then it's not even of mm. the zeitgeist, you know? They're not on the leading edge of making fun of people throwing knives in bars. They're, mm. like, on the tail end of that. Like, yeah, that's but, true. Yeah. Well, the movie was actually filmed in 17, so I'm not sure what was... Well, maybe they were really out of their time. What took two years. They invented the trend. They invented that joke. (laughs) In fact, I don't know that anybody actually threw knives in bars before 2017, so they could have invented the whole thing. That's true. And by the time it comes back around, it's like a commentary on a commentary. I was kicked out of a knife-throwing bar in 2018 for being underage. (laughs) Not for throwing a knife through a man's heart? That's what you're supposed to do. So no, I didn't get the chance to. Wow. Okay, so this movie had a budget of $21 million, and having watched the movie, I would guess that it was 20 to Anne Hathaway and $1 million for everything else. It was 20 to her accent coach. <laughs> um, this movie is so clearly shot on an Airbnb in Los Angeles. <laughs> They've green screened a lake in front of Wait, that's not a joke? No, that is that is a joke. <laughs> but that's pretty... I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Uh, it needed about $45 million to break even, and it made $97 million. Well, hey, good for them. It came so close to 100, didn't quite pass that, but it was successful. A commercial success. I guess it did what it had to do then. <laughs> Wait, I wonder how much Anne Hathaway made. We need to find out how much Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson made for being in this movie. If this film had a negative critical reception. <laughs> no 
kidding. It has a 35 on Metacritic, making it, Emmett, the worst reviewed film we've ever covered on this podcast. You're telling me this movie is worse than Deadpool 2? The other scores that come close to it, let's go to 35. X-Men Origins Wolverine at 40. Dark Phoenix and New Mutants at 43. Bedtime Story 54. Hannah Takes the Stairs 63. Damn. Yeah. And this is by far and away the worst. I don't think this is the worst movie we've ever done on the podcast. I think it's no. the worst of those. Yeah. I think it being second to Origins Wolverine, that's one of the only fun movies I've ever watched for this podcast. <laughs> you know, I feel like this movie had a lot in common with X-Men Origins Wolverine. It was like Caroline said, like just parts of it were just not there. Whatever. <laughs> just, make it, just like make it happen. <laughs> they probably saw Dirty Run Scoundrels back in 88. <laughs> They'll know what's going on. <laughs> Without having seen that, you wouldn't. I had seen both of them and was still confused <laughs> about several points. <laughs> yeah, what was baffling to you in this still? The Medusa thing? Oh, right? I must have missed when they set it up because when they talk about it at the end, I like thought that that was just a funny name Rebel Wilson was calling Anne Hathaway. Yeah. I didn't realize that it was this movie's version of the Jackal. Yeah, but more And then important. it isn't the guy, it's his grandma? Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Which is all revealed in the And are we text. supposed to think that that's Glenn Headley? <laughs> is his grandmother? <laughs> Probably. Oh, that would be cool. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. My review quote for this movie is from Caroline Seed at the AV Club. This is a really well-written review. I'd recommend everyone go check it out. This was actually one of the more positive reviews of the film. She writes... When it comes to source material to plug into the trend of gender-flipped comedy remakes, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels isn't actually a bad choice. It may star two men, but Dirty Rotten Scoundrels has a little bit of a feminist bent. Yet, while the hustle is more overt when it comes to discussing gender, including a monologue about why women are better suited to the con than men, it doesn't really have all that much to say. Not about gender, not about con artistry, and definitely not about how to craft a satisfying studio comedy. Damn. <laughs> Ouch. One of the more negative reviews, <laughs> I just brought this because I thought Emmett would think it was funny, is by Ella Kemp at Empire. She writes, The hustle buckles under the overbearing weight of its own vulgarity. Avoid the dirty <laughs> rubble by all means. An embarrassment to the heist genre, an insult to all existing comedies, a disgrace to feminism. <laughs> wow. That's well put. So, so critics were pretty harsh on this movie, but what did we think? Caroline, <laughs> the hustle, flop or bob? I have to say it was a flop. There were bop... Esque points. Mm. Um, the air horn being one of them. Um, I can't read them. It's handwriting. Shoe kickoff is best part. <laughs> oh, here's a good note. Shoe kickoff is best part. As a teen fan of Rebel Wilson, I do like how she kicks <laughs> off a shoe. Um, that's some powerful physical comedy. When does that happen? Both the air horn and the shoe kickoff are during the montage. So even though that was my like most hated mm. part, it was also like... Apparently the one that stuck with me. And you have, of course, the Julie Andrews reference that you love there. Megan Trainer jokes. <laughs> I'll just say that and we can pretend I made them. <laughs> I'd love to hear some. <laughs> Wait, why, were, why do you say that, though? Because there was, like, it sampled her music at the beginning, right? At the beginning, I think it was um, that one that was like, Wait, I know you're lying. 
Your lips aren't moving. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have written down somewhere, I don't remember where, not this same terrible bit. Oh, I think it's when she's in the jail cell doing the names. And I was like, no, we're not doing this one again. <laughs> like, you're going to cut 20 minutes of plot out of the beginning of this movie and leave in the bit with the names? <laughs> Unbelievable choice. You know what? I'll say this, and I won't say uh-huh. much for Rebel Wilson this episode, but I'll say... I thought it was funnier with her doing it than Steve Martin. That's true. Just because she said funny names. Steve Martin doesn't even say funny names. He just says names for five minutes. (laughs) It's such a bad bit. I also love the part where she throws her bag off a cliff. It's a classic. Where she's like, here, catch this. Mm -hmm. And the guy just like watches it and goes, that's just a classic bit of comedy. That's a bop. Well, there is an original Megan Trainor song at the end of the movie, too. She made for this movie. Where she sings, I'm a badass woman. Wow, that's good. Megan Trainor made it for the movie. Mm-hmm. I a have, gift from the queen herself. I have here <laughs> much love for Anne Hathaway because lizard. She has a lizard at the end, and that that really endeared me towards her character in a way that I hadn't felt for the most of the movie. I was like, why do I like either of these people? They're both they're both scammers, and neither of them is particularly charming. And Hathaway's outfits were strong. They were strong. Those were good mm-hmm. outfits. That, that I feel like that was where the that, whole budget went. Because. And that instilled some trust in her because you're like, if you look, if you look that good, if you've got like that much put together, then you have to know what you're doing. Right. I lost respect for her during the like poop fry scene. Oh God. Oh, oh I God. That's so, that was so bad. It was so like un- it was unfortunate to watch and just like I have nothing to say about it actually. Yeah, it was bad. Certified bad on that scene. Emmett, the hustle. Flop or bomb? Flop. And let me also revise my previous statements about Dirty Rod Scoundrels and also give that a flop. I'd like to take back everything I said before and fully flop the entire series. I apologize (laughs) for having submitted it into the pool. Um, This is truly an offense to all of the things before listed and also to good taste. And I think that has been true. That's been the through line of this entire series. Thank you. Wade, flop or bop? Oh, a flop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> flop for sure. I will say that it was a great relief to hear you say that because whenever I watch something that ends up being like, I feel like as close to objectively bad as is possible, there's like a pit in my stomach and I'm like, oh no, Emmett might like this. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to argue about why this movie is bad. <laughs> I oh, was no. glad that no I disagreement here. <laughs> this was terrible. Yeah, it was really bad. I wanted to like it. I wasn't expecting to like it some. I like Anne Hathaway. It was a good trailer. I was interested in seeing more of Jack Schaefer's writing and very interested in what they would do with this story in the 2000s. But it's just so unfunny yeah yeah that's the thing you just never laugh at it no it's not um you're just embarrassed there's no subtlety oh yeah Mm. and that's it and that comes down to the title itself like the hustle like everything about it spells it all out for you well there's nothing to the imagination her first gag that her first like hustle that she's pulling is trying to get a boob job for her sister like and like scamming guys that way which Mm. is just like utterly crass mm-hmm. but could be funny if it was played like i can imagine that joke playing some way where it's funny but it didn't 
Because they just, like, went for the most obvious bit with it every time. They didn't, like, ever explore that, like, idea. I don't know. Was this movie trying to be feminist? (laughs) Was that one of its goals? The original title for it was Nasty Women. So it was trying to be... (laughs) It was trying to be very topical. (laughs) Is Anne Hathaway really supposed to be in a relationship with the uh, cop lady or what? That was one of the things that's that I like thought one of the was things, like, like this movie should deeply have com- left out. Yeah, this movie should have committed mm. to something on that, you know? Because I thought there was a little bit of tension there between old Andre and old Michael Caine, you know? But I thought there was even more tension mm. there between Anne Hathaway and her cop lady friend. It's cool that Anne Hathaway is Michael Caine because Anne Hathaway's worked with Michael Caine and Batman. She's been his daughter in, in Interstellar. Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, That's she's true. like... She's, like, directly in line. Wait, do Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson work together on anything else? Because they do actually have some chemistry. No. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> but maybe they will. I mean, not much has happened since this movie came out in the film world. That's despite true. it coming out two years ago. So maybe they will at some point. Um, I watched a bunch of um, press tour interviews of them, and it seemed like they had a good time together. Filming the montage sequence. The movie was very much Rebel Wilson's idea. Oh, really? Like, she was a producer on it. She was sort of the originator of the idea. Okay. In in August 2016, it was announced that Rebel Wilson was going to produce and star in a Dirty Rotten Scoundrels remake. Okay. And they said, it's two women instead of two men, Mm -hmm. and they're conning a tech millionaire. Okay. So I think, like, that was her pitch. Mm Mm-hmm. And she sort of came to the studio with that, and they were like, yeah. I think the writer gets hired then, too. And then it's like half a year later in January when Anne Hathaway comes on board, and they say that it's going to be called Nasty Women. Hmm. It's even like three months after that when they finally get a director. That's a strange process. Yeah, it was interesting to me because it's like these are two box office stars yeah, and a proven franchise but they like can't get a director for the movie and then eventually they get like this first time a first yeah. time director off a of TV. So do people just like hate the script or something you think? Probably. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering like what was it about this that people were like no don't touch it. Damn. The script is really bad. I mean, it clearly is. It like is a less thought out and like more jarring version of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, but it's basically an exact copy of that plot-wise. It doesn't really ring any new change on that. Well, it does a little bit. It has an extra he falls scene, in love with her. but it doesn't really have any extra. The structure is pretty much the same, but they play with the roles in an interesting way. That's true. Yeah, I guess the first thing that I thought was interesting is that in the other two, it's about men sleeping with women so that they can get rich, like con them out of their money and jewelry. Mm-hmm. And this one is about women like not sleeping with men mm. in order to con them out of their... Or at least that's Anne Hathaway's thing, but mm-hmm. maybe not Rebel Wilson's thing. Yeah. All of the third act stuff changes. Like the Mark falls in love with Freddy. Right. And then it's the Jameson character who's the one who's like, I'm going to sleep with him. Like that's the one who takes on the sex bet, which is reversed from the other two. Oh, Right. And then that's the one that ends up getting, like, immediately conned. And the other one gets, like, the long game con. Hmm. You mentioned earlier how um, you're supposed to believe that they're really, the women are really good con artists, but you, we start up with them getting caught. 
And it's true, like, in the final scene, even when it's three of the best conning minds working together, their con is that they stole a bunch of money and ran. And then the people are immediately looking for them, like, within the minute. And they're hiding under a Christmas tree, like, in gold dresses. So I sort of feel like that doesn't really speak to the, like, high-profile skill. I will say in that last shot, I was I was looking for Hathaway among amongst the Christmas tree packages. Uh-huh. And I was like, I know she's one of these, and I, I couldn't tell which one. She at least can hide as a Christmas package. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So Damn. maybe it is a bop after all. <laughs> how how did you guys feel about the the Mark in this, the, the Mark Zuckerberg-esque figure? Well, you know, when we talked about this last week, uh, mm-hmm. and Laura made the point that like that movie is is kind of about like how the woman has it over on the guys the whole time like she's really been smarter all along that's a fun message but like the guy like having it over on them the whole time is like less about the them being super smart con artists you know that's just like kind of a that is like a strange shift I think he acts it very well, but I think it's a very strange character. Well, he's not even a good con artist either. I mean, it comes down to a faulty Bitcoin exchange. Yeah. Like, none (laughs) of it is clever. None of it, like, has any thought into it. It's not interesting. Yeah. There's no intrigue. Yeah. Yeah. There's no voila moment. No. Whatsoever. It's all clatter and no ding. It feels kind of toothless, too, that he is actually in love with rebel wilson yeah but he does still con her yeah you know so like and then he both ways yeah. yeah yeah but he sends her a text to make up for it as all the so best con artists sorry do. sorry i had to go spend all this money to invest in uh, you know monitoring systems i wrote this movie feels like it was written by someone who read about women online but it was written by a woman. <laughs> yes. Ouch. There are like a lot of just like surface level references to like the plight of women, but then it doesn't feel mm-hmm. like the movie has really considered anything or even makes time for its female characters, really. I feel like everything is so surface level. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like they don't they don't take any time. It feels really rushed. They don't take any time with any of the jokes. They don't take any time with the plot. There's a lot of there's a lot of Rebel Wilson being horny and that being funny. They're trying to drive the point home, maybe about like men being too horny and just like easily duped and like women taking advantage of that. But they don't even drive it home. Yeah, but it doesn't even yeah it doesn't ever. They don't take the time. Plus, you're not ever like you're also never like if that's what they're doing. You're never like oh this guy is like overwhelmed with lust, right? Like, it would work right. more if it was, like, aggressively macho, gross sort of guy. Because then you're like, yeah, like, that is... Well, they're all gross. They but are they aren't, gross. like, scary or anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's also, like... I'm not sure. I don't know. I feel like the what... He's, like, falling in love with her. But what you want that to be more is, like... You want him to be, like really into her or at least that works better for like the con works better if that's Hmm. what they're doing you know it should be like a disaster for her con wise if he's actually falling in love with her you know when when he has that scene where he sort of confesses his feelings for the first time Uh to rebel wilson it doesn't seem like she has considered having feelings for this guy before then yeah 
Whereas Steve Martin is like, and even Marlon Brando are like falling in love with them throughout the whole thing, you know? Yeah. But in this one, it very much seems like a one-sided thing. Like Rebel Wilson is sort of into him because he's into her. Hmm. Yeah, that scene was also really trying to be deep, but... When she, like, gets a little bit tearful about how men usually treat her, but it was so... Uh (laughs) I don't know what was happening. Like, it was so quick. So poorly executed. The movie is also, like, so offensive to fat people in, like, such a horrible way. Like, Rebel Wilson and the script and the camera at every moment. That seems to be, like, its main joke. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Like, I feel like this is just as problematic as the other two, even though they they made her blind instead of um, I, yeah, I don't think I don't think that made it any better. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that made it better at all. But they still do the same jokes. Like, aren't there so many different jokes you could do with a different yes. uh, handicapped disability? Yeah, yeah if you're going to go that route... If, like, you're going to play on the edge of that cliff, you could at least come up, cook up some different jokes. That is true, for sure. (laughs) That's the main reason I was, like, is it trying to be feminist? Because it fell flat on its ass, if it was. Yeah, for real. I mean, that was so... Every point of it was, like, a really bad, fat trope. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just tiresome to watch. It was 2019, I mean. Yeah, it feels that feels like much older. That feels much more like Shrek era jokes. Mhm. God. And so and that's exactly What are you trying to say about Shrek? Yeah, Shrek is a classic. Let's not come for Shrek right. I'm now. not insulting Shrek, but Shrek has the same thing where like every shot is him like picking his pants up as they're sagging behind. Wade Wade is deeply morally offended by any gross out humor in anything. The poop fry. The poop, that's, it's it's a good, it's a well, good. Well, also, okay, and when Rebel Wilson was like, and for the effects I had on your plumbing. Yeah, like, why do we At need the end, to like, have that? like, we don't need that. We don't need that. We don't need her making jokes about, like, the appetizers being bottomless. Yeah, no. Oh, yeah. Maybe that's why no one wanted to do this movie. Well, how did you guys feel about, you know, beyond the way the movie treats her, how did you feel about Rebel Wilson's performance? I actually got a tattoo of her face on my leg. <laughs> After seeing Since, this last night. Oh, wow. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I got Anne Hathaway on mine, and I feel like that one is going to age better. That's great. I got um, a flip book of the shot where they're in the bathroom in the airplane, and then the camera zooms out, and oh, <laughs> you see a nice little animated plane. <laughs> you yeah, see all the budget fun. fly by. Yeah. That's a lot of fun. <laughs> that was the best shot in the movie. Yeah. I felt like I was watching a Wes Anderson or something. Oh, like yeah. a funny Wes Anderson clip. Funny yeah. Wes Anderson? Never heard of one. Well, how did you, how did you feel about Anne Hathaway then? <laughs> That's what we have to say about Rebel Wilson. Emma, you mentioned being a big fan of her. I like her usually. She is just one of those people who's generally good in things. A movie like Interstellar where a lot of stuff in that movie is silly. But her performance is pretty grounded and pretty intense. You think about a movie like The Devil Wears Prada. You think about a movie like all of the ones where she's got those pale cheeks and the pink nose and the pink cheeks, you know, and the long dark hair. All of those pale movies. Cheeks and the pink cheeks. <laughs> and she's really good in them. She just looks like herself, you know, and I think that's good. Ella Enchanted. What? 
Yeah, and she's uh, up in Ellen Enchanted. She was in Princess Diaries when we were all in diapers, man. So she's really been doing the damn thing. Yeah. Did your leg pop for Anne Hathaway's performance? <laughs> Maybe you don't get that reference because you were in diapers. It's Princess Diaries. Wow. She's wow. like, I just want my leg to pop when I have my first kiss. Okay. Yeah, because she's got little kick up. What other movies is she in? We should just do an Anne Hathaway hour. That's. Let me look. I had it. I had it pulled up here. Oh, look, she's in Rio. Just invite me and back for the JoJo known, hour. And little known fact <laughs> here, y'all. She was married to William Shakespeare himself. So <laughs> I think that's impressive. She's really making that age gap love work. This is the interesting thing. This is the career arc. She starts off in Princess Diaries in 2001. Uh-huh. Ella Enchanted, 2004. And then she makes the transition, always the like uncomfortable transition from Disney star to adult star. Uh-huh. In like, uh, Havoc and Brokeback Mountain. Wow. Then she's in like Adult Comedy Zone, Devil Wears Prada, uh-huh. Get Smart. Oh, yeah. She was in Valentine's Get Day, Smart. Love and Other Drugs. Uh-huh. And then in 2012, she has Dark Knight Rises and Les Mis. Unbelievable. Which I think she wins the Oscar for Les Mis. And then she gets sort of... Not for Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> but then there was sort of a public backlash to her persona. Sort of, I feel like, similar to this thing we saw with Jennifer Lawrence that I feel like we talked about huh. when we had her. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, Anne Hathaway is just a very wholesome, sincere a theater actor too and i feel like people she like talked very publicly about like how hard she was trying for the oscar and how much everything meant to her damn and i think people just sort of like wrote her off like got tired of that damn so then she's in the background for a while and then she starts to make this comeback with oceans eight in 2018 okay which i don't think she was announced to be in but she is like the bad guy in that Oh, wow. Apparently, she's very good. And then I read a theory that someone posted about this movie that she has been making so many bad movies recently because she just needs money to fund her own movie she's writing and directing. Oh, that would make a lot of sense. I kind of doubt it because it feels like she probably does have enough money. No, she's broke. She probably single-handedly funded Interstellar. (laughs) She wasn't Serenity, The Hustle, The Witches, Locked Down. Like, not some some rough movies recently. So would this be the second in her series of the female reboot? Yeah, I guess that was... So this movie is a part of the trend known as the all-female reboot, which I feel like much ink has been spilled on for sure but looking at the list really not not many examples of it actually i feel like people just either like complained or proclaimed about it so much and also maybe a lot were announced that didn't get made because like the actual list that i could compile is Uh, ghostbusters 2016 which is like the big one yeah which is pretty good it makes a ton of money yeah because of course it would it's like funny actors and ghostbusters two things people love and a and a genuinely funny movie a movie that had different jokes than the original ghostbusters (laughs) that is true that's important that's important and it's off of the back of that specific movie that this Uh movie gets greenlit Oh, huh. Because it's like right, it's August 2016. It's right after that movie comes out and makes money. I always won this. But it's that, it's Ocean's 8, uh-huh. What Men Want, Overboard, 
and The Hustle. <laughs> Those are the That's only it? five I could find. Okay, wow. Wait, what was What Men Want a remake of? What Women Want, starring Mel Gibson. <laughs> are you serious? <laughs> That's no. on the news. <laughs> Wow. So it's, wait, is that five movies? You said? That's five. And people were trying to say that like The Force Awakens was a female reboot. I was like, no, that's just no. a movie that has a female lead character. Yeah. But in terms of like these actual, like we're gender swapping an old movie and remaking it. Yeah. The list is really pretty small. If you guys could all female remake any movie, what would you choose? Ooh, that's a good, that a really that's a good, good question. question. I mean, like, The Godfather, not to be totally cliched, but, like, that would be awesome. Just because it's got so many big, juicy parts for tons of people. And it's all guys. You get people, you get a big range of ages in there, too. I feel like Back to the Future would be interesting. This is always the thing, I think, with Back to the Future is that people are, that movie is pretty much perfect. Like, I love it. Yeah, yeah. And people are like, oh, you can't remake it. But I would be interested, like, life isn't as good for everyone else who doesn't look like Marty McFly when they go back 60 years, you know? Yeah. Like, I feel like there's a lot more to mine in that pitch if it's a woman or a different character. Insta, like, a fun sort of movie. Yeah, that ups the stakes on going back in, in the past. But I don't know. I just feel like, you know, it's it was such a thing for a while, but there really aren't that many of them. And I think, like, sometimes, genuinely, the female reboot is better than the original. Yeah. I would say, uh, Caroline, you're kind of the female reboot of Emmett. (laughs) Some would say. I would say much better than the original. But with new and better jokes. Unlike this movie. (laughs) Okay, here's the scoop on the accent. I couldn't believe it. Oh, my God. Lay it on us. I also was very concerned about the accent listening to it. So Hathaway didn't want to do a British accent. Is she? She's American, right? She's American, and Rebel Wilson is Australian. The first time it hasn't been a British actor and an American actor in one of these movies. The director, who is a British man, like insisted that that character has to be British. So what they eventually decided is that he let Anne Hathaway play it like she was an American woman pretending to be British the entire film. What? That it was like, that was just another long con, but it was never revealed. And never paid off. (laughs) Yeah. Basically, I think Anne Hathaway was like, I don't want to do it. And then they like invented this sort of mind puzzle to tell her so she would feel okay about doing it. So she would feel okay about how bad it was? She apparently is, yeah, is trying to play it like she is an American pretending to have a British accent. At some points, her American accent did come out, like, when she was speaking harshly with Rebel Wilson's character. Yeah. And it seemed like maybe it was a reveal, but the only subtle part of the movie, maybe. Too subtle. (laughs) Yeah, if, like, if the rest of the movie is all just, like, neon signs flashing in your face, it's just not really going to work if you try to throw one subtle long con thing in and never reference it, you know? Mm. And that's the only long con. Get real. I feel like it's sad for this movie because Dirty Rotten Scoundrels does have like a big reveal moment. Yeah. And you're like, oh, and it is it's satisfying to watch. There's a good build up. I mean, there is there is the same reveal. But it just doesn't have the same effect. Since you didn't um, introduce me as a collaborator, can I take this moment to plug Hanks for Watching? Yes. My collaboration with Molly Lovejoy. Okay, tell us about Hanks for Watching. Please, please tell me about it. Well, I expected you guys to say no, so... (laughs) 
No, go ahead. <laughs> no, please, please. Um, beginning with. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm struggling to name a Tom Hanks film that's not Forrest Gump or Wilson. <laughs> um, but as soon as I can, I'm going to come back on to plug the. Thanks for watching. When you say Wilson, do you mean Castaway? Yeah, that's what I. Thank you, Wade. There's Big. I know that one. Oh, Big. That was. A, oh, well, I can't say that. On okay. This. Never mind. What can't you say on okay. this? About <laughs> Never mind. Oh, he was Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. No wonder why Molly wants to do this. He's in Joe versus the Volcano. That's a good early one. Oh, Saving Private Ryan. I bet Greyhound is promising. Yeah, I think it's like 80 minutes, so I bet it's good. Well, it's a lot of it's a lot of films. Okay, it turns out like six of them are actually films I've heard of. But you're watching Tom Hanks films. That's That's what Hanks for watching is. That's the gist of it, yeah. I think the gist of it is to watch all of them in chronological order, is it not? Yeah, chronologically speaking. She's ripping off what we're trying to do here. Basically. Please, I can understand how anyone looking at the millions of dollars and thousands of fame we've gotten. Yeah, that's true. Off of this podcast. Yeah. I can't blame anyone for wanting to steal it. No, I mean, like, if you wanted to get in on the hustle. Well, you come on as a guest for the episode about uh, White Voice Summer. <laughs> Wait, are you going to have a chat report? Are you going? <laughs> Just like a weekly chat report, yeah. Weekly check chat in, report. Check in with chat. Check in with chat. Dude, that's... <laughs> yes, that's hilarious. Somebody needs to take him inside and just put him in a room with a bunch of blankets for a few hours so he can uh, get whatever he's got in his system out of his system. <laughs> Give him some nice calming tea. That's what I would recommend. I always say this, but it's so weird that Tom Hanks is like America's dad. Uh huh. And yet Tom Hanks, his son is like the scourge of America. His that actual totally, son. That totally makes sense. <laughs> I feel like that completely works. This film originally started with a huge action set piece. What? The Witch was filmed where Anne Hathaway was pretending to be a Jason Bourne-esque spy with no memory (laughs) as part of an elaborate con on Tim Blake Nelson. (laughs) And they filmed it. And I guess that was what all the action training and the montage was supposed to relate back to later. It was originally the opening of this movie and they cut it because um, the test audiences liked Tim Blake Nelson more than Anne Hathaway. I guess he was just like a sweet, nice guy. And they were like, no, we like him. We don't think that she should con him. Damn. And then they reshot it with whatever weirdo they had at the beginning of this movie. Wow. That's crazy. But he's a blockbuster actor. He's yeah. worked with the likes of George Clooney. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Caroline, who did you think the protagonist of this movie was? I was wondering when this question would come up. I definitely think that role was split between three characters. And those three characters were the women that got pissed on mm. Rebel Wilson's behalf <laughs> when Anne Hathaway was dancing with her man. I couldn't agree more. Well, what do you think they wanted? I think they wanted to just... They were, they were quick to switch sides. Definitely mm. that super glue incident. I think they were out looking for something that night, and what they were looking for was the tea, and they found it, and... <laughs> They went both ways. I mean, they had no loyalty. That's what I liked most about them. I suspect them. they did. They were all about like their own journey that night and not 
not mm. about any kind of like cause. <laughs> they were just like, okay, we hate her now. Cool, we hate the other one. Great, we'll do that instead. Yeah, yeah they wanted to glue somebody to a wall that night. Definitely, some could say they were the characters with the most character development in <laughs> the entire fair. film. <laughs> And the ones that, like, I took the most time to really, like, get to know and love. So. They're the only ones you really saw, like, behaving, you know, in their, in their natural mm. They were doing the hab- most complex habitat. acting. Yeah. yeah. Emmett, protag? Well, I think Rebel Wilson thinks she's the protagonist of this film. Well, uh, she produced it, so... <laughs> I'm going to say is. that she is. I'm going to say that she is. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that what she wants is not very clear in this movie. In general, it's like, she wants to make money. She wants to... But she doesn't really seem to have that much of a competitive streak the way that Steve Martin did. Mm -hmm. You know, like, Steve Martin wants to be as good or better than Michael Caine, right? And Michael Caine is, like, kind of disgusted by him and is like, whatever, I can teach you and you still won't be as good as me. But I don't feel like either Anne Hathaway or Rebel Wilson had a strong enough point of view on what the other meant to them what like the the other's existence meant for their existence you know Hmm. so it wasn't like they were just like oh hey we both do this same thing but you know like in dirty rotten scoundrels i feel like you know exactly how they feel about each other as ideas before they even get to know each other as people you know if that makes Mm -hmm. sense and then she wants to be with the tech boy for some reason but we never really understand why other than that he likes her but that seems like a low bar He's not cute. He's not particularly nice. He's also a scammer and is like scamming them, you know? Yeah. He's completely different later, though. I mean, he is less sad. He would be. Mark Zuckerberg, like, hoodies don't cost much money. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That That was one good joke that they wrote in there. He was like, well, I still have this and hoodies don't cost much money. I thought that he was. I, I kind of liked his his acting before the switch, but I thought he was not very good when he comes back as like the, the Australian showman. Yeah. At the very end for the twist. I didn't really buy it. No, he was not as good. Certainly not as good as Glenn Headley is in that scene in which he kills and is like utterly transformed in that movie. Mm. Uh, well, I didn't even buy it when at the end he was like, the only thing I never lied about is you. But I feel like it yeah, wasn't convincing. It doesn't convince. No. No. It was just strange. Do they even kiss? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. No, I Do don't they? think so. They never even consummate their relationship on screen. Damn. Later, there's a reference to it because she's like, I'm saving a present for you. And Anne Hathaway's like, I'm still here. And that's like the last line of the movie. So that was their the landing that they were trying to stick. <laughs> That's true, Caroline. That is harsh and cold. You're really saying, like, the whole point of this movie was to lead up to one stinger killer of a last <laughs> line, and that's what they decided to go with. A classic third wheel. It's not even, like, a joke. It's just <laughs> a statement. Yeah. I'm still here, guys. <laughs> Truly. Yeah, who, who do you think the protagonist is? I agree that it's Rebel Wilson. Because she kind of makes the change, but I don't know. I don't know what she wants. I have nothing intelligent to contribute here. <laughs> uh, Carolyn, who's your MVP of this movie? Your um, favorite character other than the protagonist? Well, see, those three ladies were the muses that like made an impression on me um, when everything else... It was like 
What about the cop? They were in color and the rest was black and white. But <laughs> I don't know. Texas guy, he, he was strong. Oh, he was. As an actor. Oh. And I really appreciate anyone who can work a bolo tie. Mm. Um, as I've tried. And it's no small feat to actually pull wow. off. So, and he did. And that deserves something. Yeah. That's an accolade. And he is kind of funny. He is incomprehensible in his accent, which is just kind of amusing. Yeah, he had the same accent coach as Anne Hathaway. <laughs> and they were over it by the time they got to his scene, so. I'm at MVP. I think my MVP is... There is a scene early on where there's a nun in the background of the scene, and that nun is my MVP. I was like, that's a great nun callback. A little reference. I was so happy about it. Yeah, that was my favorite part. And then she makes a little reference to bedtime story later when she says, let me tell you a bedtime story. (laughs) My MVP was sort of already taken, but there are no rules anymore, so I'm going to also take them. Okay. It's uh, Hannah Waddingham as the leader of the three ladies. Oh, hell yeah. Who I like from Sex Education, where she's Jackson's mom. Oh. Oh. And can we immediately segue into Aquamarine? Yes, can we talk about Aquamarine for a second? (laughs) Okay. Because we promised, Caroline Caroline and I promised that we would talk about Aquamarine. We made a promise to our audience. We made a promise to our audience that we would talk about Aquamarine... A Wait, queering of a mermaid. A master's thesis. A queer marine. <laughs> if you will. Wait, have you seen it? No, I haven't. You're it's, lost. I'm ashamed to say. It's got JoJo, and it's got Emma Roberts, and it's got... Not Emma Thompson. And it's got the I other, like Emma Roberts. The other girl in it who plays the mermaid. Apparently she was physically abusive to... um. Her co-star in American Horror Story. Emma Roberts? Roberts? What's his name? Evan Evan Peters? Peters? Evan Peters. Wait, so what's the deal with Aquamarine? Why should I watch it? Okay, here's why you should watch it. So picture it. It's a summer town, and there are these two girls, and they're not cool. And they're best friends. No, but JoJo's cool. But she's cool, but she doesn't know she's cool. You know? She just hasn't found her crowd yet. She, she wears cargo found, pants. Yeah, yeah. And no one else in the tiny island town she's wears cargo cranberries. pants. She's wearing cargo mm. pants. It's relatable for she's, some of us. She's yeah. going around on a longboard. <laughs> she's in love with her best friend. And they spend all their time together at the beach, but like not cool at the beach, essentially. But okay. they're both supposedly in love with this boy, Raymond. But what I think is, is really going on... what? Well, no, tell me. No, 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 because I think Emma is, like, into this boy, Raymond, and JoJo is into Emma, and she's misplacing her affections onto the boy to, like, have a competition for him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because she would do anything to sabotage yeah, Emma yeah, Roberts' chance with exactly. Raymond because she wants Emma. Yes. Even as a second grader, I was picking up on the, like, homosexual undertones to, so, like... So then, it's there. So that's what's going so on. So in the drama, I've heard all of that, but isn't it a mermaid movie? Yes. So exactly, all that's going on before Sarah the mermaid Paxton. even shows up. Then there's this storm. This mermaid shows up, Sarah Paxton, and then she teaches them all that they don't need men; they just need each other. Yeah, which they already knew. And JoJo's like, "Yes, that's true." Doesn't she steal the man so that they can only be with each other or something? Yeah, and Sarah takes Paxton him back wins. to her underwater mansion. But she famously says, who needs Raymond? 
I found two new men to love, and their names are Ben and Jerry. <laughs> and I quote that every time I eat Ben and Jerry's, which is frequently. So. In any event, at one point, she invents AirPods. Oh, you mean the little stickers? Yeah. Those are beautiful. They, like, whisper compliments to her. It's very sweet. It is very sweet. Yeah. And she eats a lot of gummy worms in the pool, which I started doing after I watched that movie. And they taste better with chlorine. <laughs> they really do. But... Really activates the uh, sour sugar on them when they have chlorine. And that's chemistry, which I wouldn't actually know much about because I got worse grades in chemistry than the movie The Hustle got on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. So. <laughs> That's tough. Bringing it back around. (laughs) Nice. Anybody listening, go and watch this movie right now. If you don't love it, Aquamarine. At us at cinemabumspod at gmail.com. You can say if you want to personally talk about the querying of JoJo, you can email me at cdt.armadillo at (laughs) gmail.com. And this concludes our weekly segment, Aquamarine Hour. Should we play Blum's the Word? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> All right, this is our weekly quiz game, Bums the Word, where we examine the six movies that IMDb thinks is like The Hustle. The uh, six movies that popular website IMDb <laughs> thinks are most similar to the one we watched. Uh, I'm going to give you guys clues, and you can see how many of the six you can get. I got to be honest, it's a tough week. Okay. It's a tough week. I'm just going to say that up front. But I believe in you. The first movie is another summer 2019 comedy. Uh, It stars one of the lead actresses from this film as its lead. 2019 summer comedy (laughs) starring one of these actresses. Is it a Uh pitch perfect film? It is not. But it is also a musical, I'm being told. Is it the spy that dumped me? No. That's a good guess, though. Here's the description. A young woman disenchanted with love mysteriously finds herself trapped inside a romantic comedy. Oh, oh, oh. I it s- is Rebel Wilson. It is Rebel Wilson. It, but It is Rebel is, Wilson. What was the name of that? I saw that where like everything was great and everybody was like in love with her. I think so. I and, like, everything I goes like, super well for her and she's like, well, what the hell is this? Like I've been living in real life. And all of a sudden. Yeah, it sounds like you know. Uh, I know, yeah, I know the premise. I just don't know what the name, I cannot for the life of me remember the name of that was. Do you have any idea? Happily Ever After. Not that far. It's Isn't It Romantic? Oh. <sighs> uh, again, a name with no subtlety. I feel like there is some craft no, in that. No, Isn't that romantic? No. All right, the second movie on the list. This is uh, a 2018 action film. It is the... Fifth entry in a long, long, long-running series. It's Ocean's 8, isn't it? It is Ocean's 8. Okay, movie number three. This is a 2016 film. It is also a comedy, but it's R-rated. I think it's a little more of a, like, a little more of a serious adult, like, examining themes comedy than The Hustle or Isn't It Romantic? The description says, a group of young adults navigate love and relationships in New York City. What year was it? Surely there are no other movies you can think of that have that premise. (laughs) Right. What what year was it? This is 2016. It's an ensemble film. This is Us. Does it have um, Adam? Is it a film we've already... What's the name of Kylo Ren? Adam Driver? Oh, I don't think so. Uh, No, it does not. 
It does have, I'm looking here, Colin Jost. Oh, unfortunate. What? Talk to me after about Colin Jost. (laughs) It's about four female friends. uh, Actually, it looks a little bit Sex in the City-esque. Is it related to any other movies that we would know, or is it just like... It is a standalone film. Okay. The title is like a piece of advice, or maybe the title would also be the title of like a self-help book. Wait, is it He's Just Not That Into You? (laughs) No, it's not. That's That's a good guess, though. How old is that? Like 2004 or something, isn't it? I don't know. Probably right. Slip out the back, Jack. (laughs) This movie is How to Be Single. Oh. It was in that classic phase of how to get away with murder, how to be single, Mm. how to write a better movie title. You've got Dakota Johnson, Rebel Wilson, Alison Brie, and Leslie Mann. Damn. That's a cast. That does sound like a cast. Movie number four. This is a 2010 film. Listed here as comedy, drama, romance. It's, uh, I would say, a high concept comedy. It has sort of a sci-fi premise and is using that as a springboard for a comedy. It does not star any of the actors in this movie. Land of the Lost? No. Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-mm. It's set on Earth. It's set in present-day Earth, but with a sort of what-if premise. Mm. And it was 2010? Yes. Is that Idiocracy? It is uh, related to this movie through Creative Vision. Uh, or one of its... <laughs> that's a bad way to put it. That's one of tough. its... Uh, the creators of this movie also directed and wrote this movie. Oh, is it? You, you, you said it earlier, didn't you? Timer. Yes, it's Timer. Uh, Damn. But it's a comedy? <laughs> yeah, we didn't think I guess that, so. that sounded like super sad to us earlier, so, so I guess we just didn't even think of it. Yeah, it's listed here as comedy. It says, oh. if a clock could count down to the moment you meet your soulmate, would you want to know? Would you want to know? Probably not. Probably not at this point. If it had been there my whole life, maybe. Earlier. The other thing is, like, if it says zero, then it could be anyone you have met at any point in your life. Like, if I just got it at this point, you know? Yeah, that's true. Oh, that's part of it? No, I'm just imagining. Yeah. Oh. I'm just imagining if I today were to get it. Yeah. I don't know. Would you want want to know, Caroline? Well, I don't know. Like, I don't understand the premise of the movie. Like, what's the benefit of no- like if you know then i guess you have hope that you will but if you don't know then you can enjoy dating other people but i don't really get why you would not want to know necessarily yeah and also if they're your soulmate then like if you're destined if you're predestined to be together then what does it matter if you know yeah, about it, doesn't it before really matter. Hmm. because you can't really like do anything about it well i guess you can't do anything about meeting them but maybe if you're already married to someone else you know oh if you knew you could avoid like divorce yeah i don't think it's a predestined thing i think i'm imagining it's a sci-fi concept where like every person has one soulmate but they might not always end up with them right they just right. meet them oh. at some point oh huh You're imagining. You haven't even seen this? No, I haven't seen this movie. (laughs) Movie number five of six. (laughs) This is a sequel. It's the second movie. It's a sequel to a big original blockbuster. Okay. Uh, An original movie that made a lot of money. Okay. And this is the sequel to that film. Yes. What year is it? It's 2015. Okay. The first movie was a cultural phenomenon. 
this movie I don't really know much about, but it's the sequel. It did well enough to get a third, which came out more recently and I think was the last one. This movie is a jukebox musical. Hairspray. Nope. Wait, is it Pitch Perfect 2? It is Pitch Perfect 2. Okay. Wow. Pitch Perfect performance every time. Our girl Anna Kendrick (laughs) coming in clutch. Also, Rebel Wilson, I'm sure, was in that movie. And also Uh, Solo Cups. Yeah, and also jokes about vomit. Great job, Pitch Perfect. Really appealing to the teen base out there. Okay, the final one in this game. This is a 2011 short film uh, directed by Jack Schaefer, who wrote this movie. Okay. A romantic comedy starring Amy Smart and Rich Summer that proves it's what you are on the inside that matters most. Oh, one of those. (laughs) I would be amazed if any of the three of us had heard of this movie before. You never heard of it before, I assume. No, 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 no. Okay, there's not a chance I've heard of it. (laughs) Caroline, you have no idea, right? No clue. It's called Mr. Stash. (laughs) That's good. That's good. That makes me kind of want to watch it. Well, it's a short film, too, so the poster is just a bunch of mustaches on top of each other. Oh, I don't like it. A bunch of animated mustaches. What year was it? 2011. That was the height of, like, the mustache... Oh, yeah, as a culture. Like, yeah, mustache necklaces and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, Like the funny mustaches you would buy. Well, I feel like those are still a thing, Wade. I would still buy those. I just want to buy, like, a purse with a mustache Wade buys one every day, don't you see? (laughs) Caroline, do you have any final thoughts about this movie, about the hustle? Any parting words? Having thoughts about this movie at all was a challenge. (laughs) But I would just like to say that my Rebel Wilson tattoo is healing fine. Thanks for asking. Um, I'm glad to hear it. Poorly colored film. Oh, I just thought the color of this movie was off. It was just like, it would like look strange. The visual tone of it, especially in the first half, just felt like not to match the content. Oh, okay, yeah. The part when he was like, Janet. What an enchanting name. That's just like a callback to the old movie where her name is Janet. Like, it's just in case you missed her name was Janet. We're going to say it was Janet one more time. Okay. Emma, any final thoughts? I would just, yeah, I'm going to echo Mariah and Caroline and say, get in your pool (laughs) and take a seat. This whole series is a floppity bop, flop, flop. Floppity bop, bop, bop. Wait, what are your final thoughts on this film? I wrote down... Every time the movie made me laugh. Uh-huh. How many times? It was four times. Okay, what were they? The first one is when, they in the opening, they ask Anne Hathaway, what brings you to France? And she says, an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> then, like, an hour passes <laughs> until the next laugh, which is when she, she tries to break the crutch. Uh-huh. Oh, that was good, yeah. The metal crutch. Third laugh when she's reading the JavaScript tech issue she has off of her hand as an attempt to flirt with the tech guy. <laughs> Fourth laugh, cop on the phone yelling in the background of the shot. Oh, I did like that yes. part. That was fun. That was really good. I also watched this movie with a past and future guest, Laura Bennett. And I wrote down everything she said throughout the movie, similar to you with Mariah, uh-huh. and the timestamps of when she said it. Two minutes in, I'm offended by this movie. 
eight minutes in. I feel nothing. This is actually sucking the life out of me. <laughs> Fifteen minutes. I can't watch anymore. <laughs> As the credits roll, I hope... <laughs> I hope nobody ever watches this movie. People will think that women aren't funny. <laughs> Damn. I will say this is the closest I've ever come to not watching one of the movies. <laughs> I was truly tempted <laughs> points throughout it. Yeah. Yeah. To just uh, pretend to have seen it. This is the closest I've come to saying we should just not be doing this series. But well, I think thank it's you good. for having me on this one. You guys. learn from your mistakes. <laughs> Thank you for coming on, Caroline. Sorry it was a bummer of a movie, but yeah, you know, at first it was I thought a it great was time. Gonna get Ladybird, but I ended up with the hustle, and that's a loss. <laughs> that's the true con, long con that was played on you. Yeah, movie. for real. <laughs> Caroline, is there anything you'd like to plug while you're here, or any place the beloved listeners can find you online? I was funny on Twitter briefly in, like, fall 2017, but it's a lot about Calvin Coolidge, and I don't know how into that vibe, like everyone else says, but at times, yeah, well, some of us reached our peak early. Well, definitely, when Hanks for Watching gets off the ground, I'd like to... Mm. We'll be back on Friday to uh, rank these movies and reveal our next series. Hot dog. <laughs> Very Please excited. keep watching. <laughs> We're going to keep watching. Okay, I love you guys. Bye. Stay frosty. Was I supposed to plug a charity or something? I look like a bad person. Like, donate to feminists. After watching this movie, you owe it to feminists to donate. Or just personally Venmo a feminist in your life. Do you know any of those personally who you'd like to plug for people to Venmo? Um, My Venmo is (laughs) at caroline-temple-2. Cinema Bums is a production of DKG Podcasts. It is created and produced by Emma Temple and me, Wade Lawrence Holloman. I also edit and mix the podcast. Our theme music is by Zane Holloman, who you can find on Bandcamp, and our show art is by Autumn Beckner. Our social media is managed by Laura Bennett. If you like what you hear, please tell all your friends and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, the two best ways to spread the word about our work. You can also follow us on Instagram at cinemabums or email us at cinemabumspod at gmail.com. Don't flake on us. We'll be back next week.